We turn in God's Word this morning then to the book of Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. We'll be considering uh, the first four verses of Genesis 49. However, once again, I'll ask you to leave your scriptures open as we'll be looking at a number of other passages uh, this morning as well. We continue our series of messages uh, this morning of those uh, whose names in Scripture begin with the letter R, and this morning uh, we consider a man called Reuben, a man called Reuben. In Genesis chapter 49, uh, Jacob is gathering his sons, he is about to die. In fact, that's what's going to happen in chapter 50. Uh, after he blesses his sons, there, there is a, a line about he, he pulls his feet up into bed, and he dies. It's like, okay, i got to say this before I die. These are my last words. This is what needs to be said to each one of you as my sons. Uh, but it's not Jacob speaking. It's the Lord speaking through Jacob. And the Lord is saying, this is what is going to happen, and this is what is going to take place, because, okay, this is what I have ordained. So Genesis 49, we read then of that which Jacob says to Reuben. Then Jacob called his sons and said, gather yourselves together, that I may tell you what shall happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and my firstfruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power, unstable as water. You shall not have preeminent. Because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. As far the reading of God's breathed out word to us this morning. Let's bow in prayer. Dear Lord in heaven, we thank you for this privilege and opportunity that we have this morning to come and worship you. And we pray for those that could not be here today, dear Lord, that you restore them, lift them up, and bring, a, bring them back to us next Lord's Day. And we thank you for this word that we have just read, and we pray that Pastor Bob, that you guide him, the message that you have worked with him, and we just thank you for all the blessings you have given us. Open our hearts and our minds as a congregation that we accept this word, dear Lord. And we just thank you for everything that you have given us. This we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. So four things from these verses. First of all, what Reuben had. Secondly, what Reuben was. Thirdly, what Reuben lost. And fourthly, what God did. So what Reuben had. As these verses open, one would expect perhaps that as Jacob calls these sons together, we would begin on a high point, but we don't. There is a certain pathos. There is a certain pain. There is a certain depth of woe and despair. In fact, as you read through this chapter, there isn't much upbeat about it. 
Every once in a while, we, we get a nugget. Every once in a while, we, we get something. But as Jacob has to survey his sons as he is about to die, it's not a pretty picture, these 12 men who are before him. In fact, it's, it's pretty disheartening. It had to be disheartening to him to see what had become of these men, his sons, over the years. I'm sure he had to do some reflection upon his own life and his own life's mistakes and his own life's errors and how he failed in so many ways. And yet, in the midst of all of this, there is the glorious hope and assurance and comfort that God gives of his grace. Even in the midst of these words about Reuben. But we begin with what he had. A passage tells us, verse 3, You are my Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the firstfruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. First of all, that, that word preeminent, in the Hebrew it's the word yether. It, it means to have superiority. It means to be above others. It means to be elevated, higher, preeminent. Perhaps some of you uh, think back to the days in which we used to watch uh, Olympic ceremonies. And at the end of an event, there would stand three individuals on podiums, the third place up a little bit above others because they got third place. They were better than the other participants. Then there was the second place person. They were elevated just a little bit above that third person. And then there was the person who won the gold medal. They're on the highest platform. They have shown superiority. They are elevated above. They are preeminent in terms of that 100 meter dash or in terms of that 100 meter breaststroke or in terms of the pole vault or whatever event it is. This past week, uh, earlier in the week as I was working on this, uh, the news was, was having a, a, a thing about the various football teams beginning practices and they're all trying to get to Ford Field and to win the championship, to be preeminent in the place and in the division of which they have. Jacob is saying that Reuben had this. Reuben was preeminent in terms of dignity. Now what does he mean by that? He means... That he's the firstborn. That he is the one who is the firstborn son who has been given certain rights and certain privileges. His mother is Leah. It is the legitimate marriage of Jacob. It is the God-recognized marriage. It is the one that, yes, this is who God had ordained that Jacob should have. The rest of these wives are, are Jacob's doing. They're Jacob's conniving. They're Jacob's twisting things around. And Reuben is the firstborn of this marriage. And Jacob says, you, you, you were in a place 
of preeminence in terms of dignity. You were the one to whom the rest of the brothers were going to have to look up to. You were going to be the elder brother. The one who is on top. The one who is going to be given the reins of the business. The one who is going to be given the largest share of sheep and goats. The one who is going to be given the largest share of the rest of the property. He was the namesake. That's what Jacob is saying when he says, you were the one who had preeminence in dignity. He had status. But Jacob also says that you were preeminent in power. In terms of strength, in terms of might, in terms of rule, in terms of authority. As the eldest brother, as the oldest son, in the days of these patriarchs, that oldest son was often given certain rights to rule. They were given certain privileges to rule. Jacob is saying, Reuben, you had that. You were in that position. You had not only that dignity, you had that Power. Jacob refers to, if you look at it, the first fruits of my strength. It's like Jacob looking back and saying, you know, when I was 35, I was quite something. I was pretty strong. I, 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 was, I, I was no wimp. I had strength. I had wisdom. I, I knew how to to do my work, and I could do my work faithfully, and I, I did it. I was strong, and, and Reuben, as my firstborn, you had that. You had all that I had. You had everything going for you. Everything was yours. Not only the status, but also the power. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first fruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. That's what he had. But what was Reuben? Verse 4, he was unstable as water. Now, what's that picture bring to mind? Water, this fluid that is constantly in motion. It's always moving. Right? We, we, we make structures to, to place upon the water so that we can have fun and enjoyment. You know these large mats they now produce? And you unroll them, you put them on the water, and then you can walk on the water. Okay, But the thing is unstable as can be. Right? Because the water underneath is unstable. But the word unstable as it's used here kind of goes up a degree. It it notches things up because it's more the idea it's turbulent. It it, it can be very destructive. It's always changing and it's always moving and it's it's powerful, yes, but its power is used not in good ways. See, Jacob is talking about the character of Reuben. He is saying, Reuben, this is what you had, but 
But when I observe you as a person, when, when I observe your character, you are as unstable as water. Now, we're given no references as to, in this passage as to what, that, what Jacob was thinking, but we can certainly reference a situation in which we see that happening. So keep your fingers here at chapter 49 and go back with me to Genesis chapter 37. And I want you to notice the role that Reuben plays in this account. So it's Genesis 37. We'll pick it up. The the other brothers, minus Benjamin, are, are saying... Let's kill him. Look at verse 21. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued them out of their hands. Okay? So the brothers want to kill him. Reuben rescues them out of their hand by saying, let's not take his life. Verse 22. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him. Now, I want you to think about this. We always look at this as being, wow, Reuben did a great thing, right? Yeah, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in a pit. What should he have done as the firstborn? As the one who is responsible. Don't kill him. I'm taking him back to dad right now. Instead, what is he? He's as unstable as water. Well, probably killing isn't good. But I don't want to face your anger either. So let's throw him in a pit. And then notice what happens. Reuben leaves. If you read the account, okay, he leaves. Because then the brothers come up with this plot of selling him. Where's Reuben? He's not there. The passage tells us when Reuben returns and finds them, verse 29... When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and he, you know, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? Why did you leave? Why did you leave Joseph in the hands of other men who are bent on killing him? You see the unstableness of water? And now it's, oh no, Joseph is gone. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, hey, how about we take his robe? We throw some blood on it, and we say a wild animal got it. Guess who goes along with the plan? Reuben. Who was the one that was responsible for the protection of Joseph? Reuben. Because he is the firstborn. He is the one preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. But notice he is unstable as water. He's all over the place in this story. You had it. But when I look at you, when I look at your your life, you are as unstable as water. You shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed and you defiled it. What? Wait a minute. That's not Genesis 37. Nope. It's not Genesis 37. That's Genesis 35. Know what he did? One of Jacob's other wives, not his mother, 
Okay, he's not referencing the fact that Reuben went into his mother. Okay, he's not referencing Rachel. But it's one of these handmaids that gets attached in. Reuben gets it in his head that he ought to go and have a sexual relationship with this woman. We could use the term, it's his stepmother. Probably not all that much different than the section we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 in the church of Corinth. There's a man who has his father's wife, and you're proud of it. Right? See, there's a, there, why did he do that? What, what got into Reuben's head? What, what made Reuben think, this would be a good idea. It would be a good idea if I would exercise my preeminence in dignity and my preeminence in power by going in to this woman who really is my father's, but I'm going to go in and I'm going to have a relationship with her. For what purpose? What's he going to gain out of this? Wait, what's the reason for doing this? We're, he's unstable, this water. He can't be trusted. He can't be trusted with the preeminence. He can't be trusted with the dignity. He is a sinner. Remember how the Apostle Paul deals with the guy in 1 Corinthians chapter 5? Expel him. Turn him over to Satan. Have nothing to do with him. What's Jacob doing? He's removing Reuben from his place of preeminence. Because he's going to lose it. What he had, he's going to lose because of his unstableness. Thirdly, what does he lose? Verse 4. You shall not have preeminence. You're not going to have it. Here's my declaration. This is my last will and testament. You boys, you hearing all this? My sons, you listening? Reuben's not the leader. He had it, but he no longer does. He doesn't have it in terms of dignity. He doesn't have it in terms of power. He has lost his position. He is having it taken away from him. He doesn't deserve this position. He cannot hold this position. I mean, this is the point at which you're going, wow, and this is where we start? How much worse can this get? What's he going to say about Simeon and Levi, these guys who executed a bunch of people in the town of Shechem? What's he going to say about them? What's he going to say about Judah, who shacked up with his son's wife? This is going to be quite the afternoon as we gather around Dad's bed. He's lost it. Turn with me as well. Okay? And, and don't, don't think this got lost on the people of Israel over the course of time. Keep your finger here. Go with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 5. Just a, a little note that the Lord makes, but it reminds us of the fact, 
Okay, we're, we're hundreds of years later. Hundreds of years later. First Chronicles chapter 5. All we're doing is talking about the descendants of each one of these sons of Jacob. The sons of Reuben. The firstborn of Israel. For he was the... Now notice the insertion. For he was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's couch, his birthright, he not only lost the power, the dignity, the preeminence, the status, the position, he lost the inheritance. It's gone. His birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, so that he could not be enrolled as the oldest son. Hundreds of years later, Reuben, yeah, he had it, he should have been, but he lost it. And he lost it. Because of his sinfulness. He lost his birthright. See, when I ponder this and when I think about this, oh yeah, there's applications for ourselves in terms of living holy lives and those sorts of things, but it, but it seems to me there's, there's probably a bigger picture going on here. I think that's us altogether. Man created in the image of God. Here's Adam, the firstborn son, created with power and dignity. You've been given dominion. And what does he do with the position and the dignity that he had been given? What does Adam do with it? He throws it away. For a piece of fruit. What does Reuben do with it? He throws it away. For a roll on the couch. He just throws it away. Just as you and I in Adam. Threw it away. And it's gone. It's not there anymore. That which we had we lost. Reuben is a fallen son. And we are fallen children. But here's where God steps in. Here's where the story doesn't end. Here's where grace comes in. Here's where grace intervenes. Here's where grace speaks. Here in the midst of this, this pathetic deliverance. Of his final words that Jacob has to make. Here we hear grace once again. First of all, there are other sons. Look with me at Genesis chapter 49, verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful branch 
a fruitful branch by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. For there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your Father who will help you. By the Almighty who will bless you. With blessings of heaven above. Blessings of the deep that couches beneath. Blessings of the breast of the womb. Blessings of your Father are mighty beyond the blessing of my parents. Up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. Remember what we read? First Corinthians, or First Chronicles 5. His birthright was given to the sons of Joseph. The son of Israel. What a beautiful thing. Right? God didn't just say no birthright. God through the mouth of Jacob says no. No. The birthright belongs upon Joseph. The birthright will continue. The blessing of land. The blessing of crops. The blessing of cattle. The blessing of herds. Rest upon Joseph. He will be blessed. He will prosper. He will receive that which Reuben lost. This son of Rachel. This man who's been sold away. This man who is a captive. This man who was imprisoned. This man, upon him and upon his children and upon his prosperity, I will bless. And so we read throughout the rest of the Old Testament of the blessing of God upon Joseph. That's what we see God doing. But there is more. Go back with me then to verse 8. Judah Your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub from the prey, my son. You have gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall the obedience of the peoples Binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. Not only did God provide for the blessing of birthright. God provided for the preeminence and power and dignity. By giving it to Judah and to his descendant. Because you see, when we open up the scriptures in the New Testament, this is what we read of Christ. Colossians chapter 1. That he is the preeminent one. He is the one who is the firstborn over all creation. You see, in this story of Reuben's loss, which is the story of our loss, of our sin, of our shortcoming, of our depravity. There is the message of the Son who is to come. Yes, it's not going to fall upon Reuben. Yes, it's not going to fall upon that tribe. But it is going to fall upon Judah. And the scepter shall never depart from his hands. 
And all those analogies that we read there in Genesis 49, the fold, the donkey, the blood, the vestments, what, what is that all speaking of? It's speaking of this. It's speaking of Christ dying for us. It's speaking of our washing. It's speaking of our cleansing. It's speaking of us being brought in to this family of Abraham, this covenant of grace that God has made. Not Reuben. The New Testament declares it in this way. Are you a descendant of Adam? Or are you in Christ? Where are you now? What have you become? You still holding on to your old ancestry? Oh yes, we're conceived and we're born in sin. Yes. But the New Testament tells us that we can be born again. We don't have to retain our old ancestry. We don't have to retain our Reuben. We can be born again by God's grace, by God's means, by God's work. We're born again through Christ, through the descendant of Judah who gives his life as a sacrifice so that he might wash us and cleanse us. Let that make us unsteady, but to give us the firmness and solidness of being rooted in Christ. So Psalm 2 speaks Why do the nations gather together against the Lord and against his anointed, against his firstborn, against Christ? The Lord laughs at them and says, you better repent. You better repent and you better come to know Christ. You better kiss the son lest he be angry with you. That is the preeminence of power. Turn with me in conclusion to the book of Colossians. Chapter 1. And just listen to this language. Listen to how it's woven in here now. Not just happenstance. Not just, oh, isn't that interesting? No, there's a reason for it. Paul is, is bringing us back to Genesis 49. What we lost in Reuben, we gained. By being in Christ. Listen. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions. Or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body. The church. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him. 
to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. How? By making peace through the blood of his cross. Oh, God in his grace did not abandon the sons of Jacob. But he provided a means by which the preeminence of his own first son would be the means by which you and I would be washed and cleansed and born again. And we come to this table tonight to celebrate that which God has done for us. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, for how it works together, for how it, 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 it's so cohesive, how in all of its parts we, we see, Father, the marvelous design. This is not of men. This is your work. This is your work. This is your spirit revealing the truth to us. Father, this morning we may feel like a Reuben. We may feel like we've lost it all. Yet in Christ, we gain it all. We have it all so that, that the scriptures say we're co-heirs with Christ. Oh, what a blessing your grace is. Thank you for your words through Jacob this morning. May they be words, Father, that fill our hearts and fill our lives with your glorious message of truth of Christ. It's in his name then that we pray. And God's people say, Amen.